All right, today I'm excited to announce my guest. He's a former McNeese quarterback, SLC and Louisiana Newcomer of the Year, and a Texas Spring League alum, James Tabbery. How's it going today, my guy? What's up, man? I'm good. How about you? I'm great. Um, so, you know, you're from New Orleans, which is obviously, you know, home of the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up there and um, what it what makes it, like, stand out. Um. I absolutely love it. Um, I, I think what stands out about New Orleans is that it's uniqueness of culture. Um, everybody is like family down here. We're, we're, we're very diverse on different types of ethnicities and backgrounds down here. Um, you know, you have your Cajuns, you have your Creole. I mean, it's just a mix of everything. There's a lot of heritage down here. But I love this city so much. Um, I honestly wouldn't rather not grow up anywhere else other than New Orleans is a great football football state and atmosphere and um man it's the best of both worlds with food and football so can't complain about that yeah speaking of food what's the go-to meal that someone not from New Orleans like myself has to have when they come oh man um that is a great question <laughs> I'd have to say crawfish etouffee man you got you got to go with the seafood slash you know cajun food so yeah crawfish etouffee for sure that's what's up so uh coming out of high school right you had a few offers but ultimately decided to attend arkansas state and then you later transferred to mcneese um what was your recruiting process like and then what led to your decision to transfer to mcneese my recruiting process was crazy um i i didn't start until i was a junior in high school and so that kind of put me kind of behind the game already because a lot of people in my No, I can't hear you. No, okay. All right. Oh, I, there we go. I was holding the phone. My fault. No, but um, no, but the, the biggest thing was that by the time I started, there was already 110 commits in my class at the end of my sophomore year. And so it was like, all right, well, there's only 128 D1 schools, you know, like how is this going to fare out? So ended up having an amazing junior and senior year. Well, I didn't even get my first offer until like September of my senior year, which was from Southeastern. And then a month later, Arkansas State called and I actually committed to Arkansas State. I was like, well, you know, there's not any more big time D1 schools that are out there looking for a quarterback. I'm going to just take what I have right now and play it safe. If I get more offers, I can always like lean and look towards something else. So I ended up signing. Uh, going with Arkansas State and literally the only other offers I had was like you know Southland uh conference like the FCS schools the Nichols uh, you know the Mc, the McNeese's the Lamars and stuff like that but the only big time D1 offers I had was Arkansas State and Eastern Carolina and so Eastern Carolina came in the last two weeks they didn't want to it was Lincoln Riley at the time he was the offensive coordinator mm -hmm. and they had came when I played against Leonard Fournette and I had my best game in my college career, and they still didn't offer me. So that I kind of, like, took that to heart. You know, I was like, all right, well, I guess if that wasn't good enough, then, you know, like, I was the second option to you guys. So I stuck it out with uh, Arkansas State. I'm a big I'm a big guy based off of loyalty, man. If you show me loyalty, you got my loyalty to the teeth, man. So and, and that's what I told them, and I went with Arkansas State. And I'm, I'm, I didn't regret my decision one bit, you know, of uh, – I absolutely fell in love with that coaching staff over there. I actually knew a few of them before I even, you know, attended school there. But, uh, you know, Coach Bell left after my uh, redshirt freshman year, really hit home. Uh, he was like – I was going through a lot in my personal life. And, uh, you know, he was like a dad to me and stuff. And 
and also as well as my offensive coordinator. Well, he ends up leaving and going to Maryland. And um, Coach Anderson brought in a new offensive coordinator that uh, was more of like the dual threat type of guy. And uh, so I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to see how it fares out and stuff like that. Well, going through spring and stuff, they actually brought in a transfer uh, Justice Hansen from uh, Oklahoma. And so, you know, we battled it out and stuff. And they decided that, you know, by the end of camp that, you know, if they had to pick a starter, it would be him. And so, you know, I was like, all right, well, you know, that's y'all's choice, whatever. I'm going to take my talents, you know, somewhere else. You know, we had our disagreements and stuff. So ended up going to McNeese. The reason why I dropped down the level is because I had already played in eight games as a freshman. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm just trying to, you know, keep that ball rolling. And so, you know, I'm going to be at home. I'm going to be at McNeese. I'm winning this program in FCS history right now. So I was like, you know, how can you not beat that? And my grandparents get to come and see me. You know, they were kind of like getting towards that age. They actually both passed. So, um, but yeah, they got to come see a few games. And the atmosphere there is just so great. And um I could have went to back to D1, but I would have had to sit out. I had 18 offers when I decided to transfer, so I was very impressed with that. But, um, yeah, man, it's a crazy, crazy process. And, and you honestly never know what is going to happen. And yeah. this, this process can throw you for a loop, man. I mean, you just kind of play it as it is. And, you know, don't even – like I tell kids all the time, don't, don't stress out about it. You know, you got to play the game too. Don't, don't just sit there and let them dictate on, on what your commitment – Right. is what I'm saying so it just kind of take it day by day man and uh you know I'm I don't regret any decision I've ever made and uh you know it kind of made me into the person I am today and went through a crap ton of struggles and had to grind my behind off in high school and in college to get whatever I needed to get accomplished so yeah for sure yep. so um you know at McNeese in 2016 you had one of the best seasons they had ever seen from the quarterback position you know, you threw over 3,000 yards. You were just 33 yards shy of the school record. Five touchdowns against number one ranked Sam Houston State. All that good stuff, you know. Yeah. Did you expect to break out like you did coming from Arkansas State to McNeese? Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to shy away from it. Don't, I mean, I'm don't, not, for sure. I'm not being cocky either, but <laughs> I, I was so ready to uh, – uh, I came in there yeah. ready to go. I, I won the job in 12 days without even knowing really the entire offense, you know, um, just going out there, having fun and just playing ball, man. And, and that place really needed a leader. The, the culture there was really bad. So, uh, you know, I, I knew that going in there and basically everybody kind of bought in the first day it was work. Yeah. Workouts the first day and everybody was, you know, like hooping and hollering and stuff like nobody was focused and stuff. And so after the end of the practice, I kind of cursed everybody out and got their attention. You know, I didn't come here to – I just left a school that wins five out of seven championships every five to ten years, yeah. whatever the record is over there for championships. I was like, I just left there, and I can go right back. I was like, I, I honestly don't want to put up with any bullshit. I was like, you know, excuse my French, but <laughs> – You're good. You know, we're, I'm coming here to win championships, and, and that's yeah. it, you know. And, and everybody ended up buying in and stuff, and we had the most historical offensive – season that McNeese has ever had so and it kind of declined a little bit because based on change on, on what Coach Gidry wanted to happen on offense you know when you kind of play those North Dakota State teams you got to be able to run the ball and you got to be able to run the ball in bad weather too so um, 
you know, people say like, oh, you didn't play as good in your junior and senior year compared to your sophomore year. But I was like, well, if you actually look at the stats that it shows that my attempts were cut in half. So, I mean, you kind of play with what you got. So, but uh, yeah, all in all, man, uh, uh, 2016 definitely brings back some good memories, man. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, following your career at McNeese, you were invited to participate in the Saints rookie minicamp. Um, how did it feel getting to like showcase your talent in front of like your hometown team? And then did that like lead up to other opportunities as well? Um, as crazy as it sounds, it kind of didn't lead in any other opportunities as much as I wish it did. Yeah. Um, it was incredible though, man. Um, you know, you throw on that Saints helmet, it's like, wow, like, you know, I, I made it, you know, yeah. and, and, but it's not the, I made it as like complacency. I made it. I, right. I'm good to go. I'm satisfied. No, it's like, it's like I'm really like here, wearing you know? like, <laughs> you know, I've been dreaming my entire life to throw on an NFL helmet. I'm wearing it right now. And, and I've basically accomplished every goal that I could possibly have. But, um, and all I wanted, all I ever wanted was a shot. And, and they definitely gave that to me. And what's funny is, I ranked the best out of every quarterback that was at camp, including JT Barrett, but they ended up cutting all of us. Yeah. Ended up breaking my foot over the summer, and so I missed every opportunity I had for preseason because it was a three-month recovery process. And then the spring league came along. Um, to be honest, I didn't have a lot of faith in it. I was like, man, I don't even know what this is and stuff like that. My mom's like, you know, you should just try it. You know, you're just coming out of rehab and stuff. And, you know, just get back on your feet and just show that you're still, you can still play. So I did it. and It was a great experience, man. Um, I actually did it in Atlanta. I did it in Dallas. And I did it in Vegas. So, uh, hold this umbrella. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it, and then so Ottawa ends up calling it. But I wouldn't say that I, – I would say that nothing came out of it. But, like, at the same point, like, nothing grew off of that. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, okay. I, I got a bunch out of it. But, like, it never led up into, it. like, another team, you know, wanting to pick me up. And, you know, that just is what it is, man. Not everybody needs a quarterback. Yeah, I remember so, whenever – I remember whenever you were in New Orleans, um, you know – competing at that rookie minicamp. I was really pulling for you, you know, to make it, it out of there because I was a big fan of yours and I've been watching you for a while. So can you, ex yeah, you kind of explained it a little bit, but can you explain like really what like the Texas Spring League is and then like give us like about your experience in the league? All right, so the Spring League, so I, I did two different types of things with the Spring League. So in Atlanta and in and Vegas, what the Spring League is is basically – most guys are coming out of the NFL or, like, just got cut. Fresh on their feet, free agents. Everybody's probably between 21 and 26 years old. Just trying to get film. You know, in the NFL, they want to see that you're still active, that you're still in shape, and that you're ready to go. And, and if you can, you know, continue to collect good film and put it out there, man, it just shows that you're in the game and you're still, you know, you're healthy, you're, your mind's in it still, you're still young and you're living right. Um, you know, all the proper needs that you need to, to continue to play ball. And that's what the spring league gives you the opportunity of is just getting more film. And, uh, you know, that's both practice and in the games. Now the Dallas thing, that was completely different. So that was, they brought in me and Zach Mettenberg in for, um, to play against Japan. 
So we were all on the same team. Normally you're split up into four different teams, and, you, yeah. and I would have my own squad. He would have his own squad, whatever. That's how Atlanta and Vegas would work. But when it came to Dallas, we had to prep for a game. We were all on the same team. So we prepped for an entire week, and then we played – yeah, we five practices in a game. So we had to tighten up in the meeting room and, and make sure practice was very detailed, man, because that, that's tough to do. They had been playing or practicing together for like two weeks. So they were already ahead of the game. But um, thank God we didn't have to go travel out there because my legs would have been shot for games. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was an incredible experience. The Dallas Cowboys were out there, the Baltimore Ravens, and we had a bunch of scouts. We had a lot of CFL teams. But, you know, Spring League is it, – it, it's a great – place to get exposure you know what I'm saying so you know people have asked me are you going to do it again I'm probably not because I've already done it three times you know if I don't have enough film from what I have right now then I, I honestly don't know what to tell you so uh but yeah man it's a great experience for everybody that's trying to you know continue to make their dreams come true and stuff that that's definitely one way to you know help yourself out I ended up doing it after I was in the NFL but uh it's still something that could definitely help you pop off. It helped me out with uh, the CFL. You know, Ottawa Red Blacks, they called me up. Uh, they're in the middle of their season, actually right before playoffs. And they, they were like, you know, you, hey, do you have a passport and such and such? And I was like, yeah. And, well, they ended up going with somebody else. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's like the whole story, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the the, sec option, the no. second option guy. But – uh. You know, I mean, it is what it is. I know it's a business, like I said earlier. and uh, But I'm just blessed to be able to be and have those opportunities to talk to those teams, to at least put on the Saints helmet, you know, through right. um, minicamp. Uh, You're still part you of know, the small percentage who've never been able to do facts, that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So. It's less than 1% that can right. throw on an a NFL helmet, let alone being just the position I'm in. You know, the, right. there's only three quarterbacks per team. That's 92. 96 yeah. people in the entire world get to play quarterback. All these, all these people who just are, are just bashing professional athletes. It's like you guys Bash. don't understand. Like they don't have it's clue, so man. like the process yeah. just to get there. That's why I like to like bring athletes on my show like you, you know, and stuff like that because like I like being able to expose like you know put the stories out there so that people really truly realize how hard and difficult it is. Oh yeah, man. Just to it even is. get an opportunity. You know what I mean? So absolutely. But yeah, you know, you're currently working at the University Medical Center in New Orleans, um, yeah. which currently has the highest per capita coronavirus death rate in America. Um, so thank you, first of all, for doing that. Um, absolutely. Can you explain what led to your decision to enter like the front lines of this pandemic and then um, what your specific job is? Um, so I kind of, how could I put it? So kind of right now, when I got back from Dallas and stuff, uh, that's kind of really when it, no, it was actually Vegas. So it hit a, a week after Vegas and, you know, I was just home, you know, just training and stuff like that. Well, my dad, he's an architect and he's a independent contractor, like for every hospital here in New Orleans. And so, you know, he asked me, he's like, hey, do you, you want to work? I was like, not, not really, man. I'm not ready for, you know, a real job. And, you know, I want to just continue to train, you know, for four to five days a week, you know, like I've, I've always done since I was eight years old. So, like, yeah, I just want to continue to play ball and stuff. And he's like, now, nah, like, I'm really going to need you. And I was like, 
well, is the stuff really that bad? He's like, yeah, like I need all hands on deck, dude. And I was, and he's like, I need reliable people too. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I was like, just give me the hours I want, like based on my schedule and stuff and made it work. And it ended up becoming an absolute chaos situation as in like, you know, the pandemic itself. So, uh, you know, I kind of took that to heart that I'm actually on the front lines and uh, I'm, I'm helping be in the solution to the problem and, and not being part of the problem. So, you know, I really took the initiative to doing that and I'm working PPE, which is personal protective equipment. And so whenever like a unit of nurses or doctors, you know, they could be in the middle of a surgery, you know, hey, hey, hey we need 60 gowns and something, something, ma- certain amount of mask and all this type of stuff, man. It, it, we have a bunch of allocations we have to send out every day. We probably send out over like 700 gowns twice a, sh- a shift because, I mean, just going in and out of the COVID rooms and, you know, you got to throw everything away and stuff. Well, at first, like, it was so chaotic because we didn't have the equipment that was prepared for a pandemic. So we had nurses, like, wearing the same equipment going from room to room. They just had to wipe it down. They couldn't get new stuff. It was crazy, man. Um, But, yeah, that's what kind of led me into that. And then, you know, it's kind of winding down, thank the Lord. Um, I'm just hoping the second search doesn't come back. But it's been an absolutely humbling and amazing experience to witness this stuff. You know, it it really – puts life into perspective on how fast it can be taken from you and through all of this you know it's been a huge blessing that because it's changed me both mentally physically and spiritually I've been working out like crazy my grandpa passed away um I've broken some bad habits you know I've I've been eating right like it's just been kind of all over the place on how this is all like fared out but um it's definitely been a life-changing experience. I'm definitely a different person coming out of this completely. Um, when you see 15 to 20 dead bodies, every time you go to work, it kind of changes you, man. It really does. And every time you walk past a room, somebody's on a ventilator, no matter what it's, so it's scary, but, uh, it's, it's good to, it's what, what I love about going to work is that I'm such a, positive vibe person that you know i love going in there when stuff is depressing and just lighten up the room and and that's my favorite thing to do is to go and you know how are the nurses doing and you know like the doctors you know just kidding around maybe crack a joke here and there tell somebody that they look pretty today you know it's all about living right man and, and, and just enjoying life every single day and living it to the fullest yeah that's what's up so um how do you like find time to train and like work out during like the pandemic and your job? Like that's, that's crazy. All right. So my schedule would be so from 10 on most on, this is probably like four out of the five days, four out of the seven days. So I'll train at 1030 at my trainer's facility. So from 1030 to 1230 ish, I'll train. And then I got work from, two o'clock to 10 o'clock at night. And I, so I, in the middle of my breaks, I'll go and get in an hour lift and then literally probably around seven, eight o'clock, right before I get off, I'll hit like 500, 600 abs or something like that. Like just do another workout. So I've honestly just been shredding my body and, but I mean, I've been bored. So I feel like a prisoner. So literally whenever (laughs) I get bored, I just start picking up weights and, and, you know, 
just kind of occupying myself. But, um, yeah, I have a crazy schedule, and I actually just accepted um, an o- the offensive coordinator job at Holy Cross, well, the passing game coordinator. And, That's high um, school, right? Yeah, that is my high school. Yeah. I'm actually at my coach's house right now. We're about to watch film after this interview. But uh, <laughs> I'm so uh, I'm pumped about this, too, you know. Um, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to hang up the cleats completely, but, um, you know, this is an amazing opportunity that I have. Um, I'm only 24 years old, and I got listed as the passing game coordinator, the head strength coach, and also a teacher. And you can't really ask for too much better than that. And that's something that I definitely – this is a career I want to definitely get into is coaching. You know, I never want to get away from the game of football, whether that's playing it or coaching it. But the best thing about all of this is that my head coach, Coach Salt, he's very understanding of my situation. If I get a phone call, he said to get up and leave. I always have a spot back at home. And so, you know, that's great to hear. And and that's that's all – you want to work for people like that. You know, it's not always just about their aspirations. It's about everybody else's around you that you work with. And and that makes such a better working environment as well. And so, you know, I'm excited about, you know, having him on my side with that because anything – like I said, you, you wake up and you have no idea who's going to be calling your phone. Right. So every day's a mystery. But, um, you know, right now I'm loving this coaching thing. And I know that when – right when I was released from the Saints, Coach Carmichael pulled me aside. He's the offensive coordinator for the Saints. He said, um, you definitely can play in the NFL. He's like, just right now we don't need you as a quarterback. It's all about, you know – who needs what it's not about how good you are sometimes um and and which that sucks but he said if you ever get into coaching he's like call me please call me because he said that he'd like to bring he'd like to bring me underneath him and I already know he's going to be a head coach soon someday and um I guess he just likes my uh you know IQ of the game and, and how much time I actually spend in the film room you know just on my own time yeah but um yeah I I I've just you know you just become obsessed with the game man and you just love learning and it's never work if you love it right for so, sure um I'm I'm hoping you know maybe in 2 to 3 years I'm a I'm a hit I mean, we stay in touch, though, anyways. But uh, I'm definitely going to hit them up for, you know, that coaching job. And hopefully I can be making two to $300,000 a year, coach. Huh? <laughs> more, bro, nice. more. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I got one last question for you, and then I'll All let right. you watch some film. Um, you have any advice for the young athletes out there? You know, you've had, like, an incredible story and all yeah. that. So if you could just pass along some of your advice, that'd be sick. That's- I think you're muted. Damn again, I'll press it again. <laughs> Let me see. Don't want it to be something good. All right. I would say worry about the job you have, not the job you want. Because how even and it puts that quote is like put into basically almost every situation you can be in football that's being a backup that's fighting for a job that's trying to get recruited and that's trying to make it to your ultimate dream as most players is the NFL and what that means is to worry about the job you have not the job you want if you worry about the job you want the entire time about the and you're working on an entire another job 
you're, you're going to be less focused on the job that you're actually doing right now in order to obtain that job that you want, you have to get through that job that you're doing yeah. now. So if you fail at the job you're doing now, you're not going to get to the job that you want to get to. Right. Thanks. And that's, like I said, recruiting, if you're worried about recruiting the whole entire time, like, Oh man, I don't have any offers. You know, I was there too. I freaked out. Um, but from what I know now, if you just ball, you put your head down, you make good grades and you just humble yourself, you will get what you want. If you are good enough, they will find you. Facts. Point blank, period. And, you know, that goes into coaching and, and fighting for jobs as a player as well. You know, if, I, if I'm worried about, oh, what is this guy doing? Uh, what, is he working harder than me? Is he doing this now? Forget that, man. You put your head down and you tell yourself nobody's outworking me. Nobody's going to watch more film than me. Nobody's going to outplay me. And when you, when you get to that mindset that you can tell yourself that without having to worry about anything else, then you'll be successful. Damn, now when that I'm all know, fired up. Absolutely, man. <laughs> when you know yourself is working harder than anybody else, and, and you don't need to prove it to anybody else but yourself. Right. Like, I, like I've said in a previous interview, you owe you. Nobody has been through the struggles with you. Only you have. Nobody has – not every time has been mom and dad been there to pat you in your back through every down moment. Only you have. You know what I'm saying? Through every up and down you have only had your back the entire time. And so you owe it to yourself, man. You go out there and you chase your dreams and no matter what anybody tells you, man, it doesn't matter. I've been told that all I've been too short, you know, the traditional you're too short, you know, all this stuff and, you know, whatever. Look at all the guys that have broke every single barrier possible. Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. I mean, it's possible, man. You're just literally right place at the right time. And just put your head down and don't worry, man. And I'm a big fan of God. So uh, Amen. pray. Yes, sir. Pray to that, man. Absolutely. All right. I appreciate you. Uh, make sure y'all go follow James on Instagram at James Tabbery, as well as on Twitter at James Tabbery. Appreciate it, bro. Uh, stay in touch, man. And uh, Absolutely, I wish brother. you all thank the best. Yes, I appreciate sir. you. Hey, man, you got something good going, man. I'm, thank you for bringing me on the show. I'd love to be back whenever you want to, man. I love chatting <laughs> about ball. I appreciate but, uh, thank you so much, man. It's a blessing. And uh, I'm going to definitely, you know, put this out there and let everybody know who Michael Balco is, man. Hey, man. <laughs> much love, much love. I appreciate it. All right, my man. Y'all have, have a great one. day, man. You too.